This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. I'm Becky Vivi in for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Today on the show, what the escalating conflict between Russia and Ukraine could mean for you. President Biden has imposed sanctions on Russia in response to Russian aggression in Ukraine. Here he is making a few points on the matter in an afternoon address yesterday. Yesterday, Vladimir Putin recognized two regions of Ukraine as independent states. This is the beginning of a Russian invasion of Ukraine. Who in the Lord's name does Putin think gives him the right to declare new so-called countries on territory that belong to his neighbors? So what does the escalating conflict mean for Ukrainians and the NATO alliance? And how might the new sanctions against Russia be felt back home in the U.S. and in Chicago? Here to share his insights is Democratic Congressman Mike Quigley. He's a member of the House Intelligence Committee. Congressman, welcome to Reset. Thank you. Glad to be back. It's good to have you. So we just heard President Biden say an invasion of Ukraine has begun. But, you know, the foreign policy chief for the European Union said he wouldn't call it a full-fledged invasion yet. Why is there mixed messaging on this? Look, an invasion is an invasion, but the the language of diplomacy matters. Uh, How this all works within their world must matter enough to them to differentiate. The fact of the matter is, this is territory that has been fought on for about eight years now. So there have been Russians helping the separatists fight there. But uh, to look at it any other way... It's just not looking at the facts. Mm-hmm. Are you worried about NATO kind of holding up a united front on this one? Not really. I mean, I, I sort of saw this part coming. But if I give the president credit for anything, it is uh, I think he's brought the West and particularly NATO together in a, in a much more unified fashion that we might have thought happened if we saw the early language from, for example, the German chancellor. Mm-hmm. The fact that they got on uh, in halting the Nord Stream 2 pipeline and the manner in which they did and the timing in which they did is giving me a hope at this point. Mm-hmm. So as a member of the House Intelligence Committee, you are privy to a lot of the same classified information as President Biden. In, in your opinion, do you think he's been right to sound the alarm when he has? It's interesting. It's, it's a great question. I've been on the committee for seven years. Sure. Uh, two things strike me. The intelligence on this has been outstanding. You know, we've been watching it for several months now. And uh, what they have said will happen uh, has happened. It's been very accurate. The second thing that strikes me is normally things that are classified aren't talked about by the president of the United States in such a fashion. 
But he's done this as a strategy uh, with our Five Eyes uh, NATO partners, uh, Great Britain in particular. Uh, they called out Putin and his plans ahead of time, for example, on the false flag issue, mm. made it much more difficult for Putin to have any credibility you know, as a pretext for the invasion when this information was brought and made public. The fact that you were telling the world what Putin was going to do made it much more difficult for Putin to do those things and explain them away in a different fashion. So rarely does uh, the intelligence community and the State Department and the executive branch sort of announce what the intelligence is telling them. Mm. Uh, they aren't saying what the intel is, but they're summarizing it, and they're doing it in a fashion to really counter what former KGB Putin uh, is fond of doing, manipulating the world. You know, you cut that, you cut off his path toward that end. I think it's been particularly effective. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned you've been a member of this committee for seven years, and you also referenced the unrest in the region back in 2014 when Russia annexed Crimea. That's a peninsula in the southern edge of Ukraine. I'm wondering how this current situation compares to what was happening in 2014. You know, I think the first thing that strikes me is that there wasn't a unified coalition uh, in 2014, uh -huh. they weren't as organized, they weren't as together in response to this. I think the second thing that's important is that Ukraine wasn't nearly as prepared. Their military wasn't, a, you know, a, nearly what it is now in terms of preparation. Uh, on paper, it's clearly still outmatched by the third largest army in the world. But at the top of my head, those are two things that differentiate what took place in 2014 and now. Uh, obviously, it's still against international law. It's still the worst of what the Russians do. Mm -hmm. But I think the response will be more appropriate now. Mm -hmm. Well, as we heard in the audio clip from Biden's speech on Monday, Russia recognized the independence of two additional regions in Ukraine. And I'm wondering, from your take, how significant is an of an escalation is is that alone, just taking on these two pieces? Look, I, I think you have to put it in totality, right? Um, what tells you you should be concerned? That's just one element of it. This is a buildup to 190,000 troops, not a withdrawal, as they stated. The evacuation of civilians in the east, the removal of the U.S. diplomat, the missile test, the full Kremlin playbook in full force, cyber attacks, disinformation, psychological warfare, the use of energy as a coercive use. You know, that's the kind of things you see. Now, the other provocations, the shelling of the kindergarten, the troops to separatist region, recognizing their independence, that's just an element of the provocation. It's a, it's a very serious one, but it's a step toward what we assume Putin is intending to do, which is a greater invasion. So let's go over the new sanctions announced yesterday. We'll just quickly recap what those were. No, I think the fact that they went after two of the biggest financial institutions there, the fact that they were it was a unified effort with European allies, uh, I think it's significant. One that was uh, tied to that holds assets for the Russian military. 
those are significant. I think the second thing is for those who say, well, why didn't you do more? And the bottom line is, uh, coupled with Nord Stream 2, this is pretty significant, and you have to hold something in reserve. There's still more out there that are pretty dramatic. I think there's still more out there that would affect Putin himself personally Mm -hmm. and his closest allies within his administration. Mm -hmm. Um, But at this point in time, I think it was a good first start toward this end. I think the next major effort, if you're very serious on sanctions, is to cut the Russians out entirely from the SWIFT international payment system. You're basically cutting the Russian banks off from the rest of the world. Oh, and right now it's just a—it's only a couple of Russian banks? Or could you just, yeah, ex- just we're detail just that? We're talking about a, a couple Russian banks at this point in time between the two of them. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's pretty, pretty dramatic, though, the two major ones. The total is, uh, if you include the U.K., they targeted five Russian banks. Mm-hmm. So what you're seeing here is a coordinated effort across NATO— and some of those most buy them freezing assets and a ban from visiting areas in Europe as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you mentioned Germany suspending the national gas pipeline with Russia. You're saying you think that both of these coupled together is, is effective. Are you getting any intelligence today that tells you that? Obviously, I can't talk about what I'm <laughs> sure. briefed on in that vein, but I would just say doing what I do, these are significant first Set of sanctions. I think the most important one in terms of what Putin cares about is Nord Stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say this. I think he cares more about Ukraine than Nord Stream. I think he's already made that calculus uh, in his mind and those calculations. He He's intending to go forward. So uh, it's important to say he had these first round of sanctions are significant. Uh, they aren't more just because you have to hold something else there. Mm-hmm. I think that you, you have to ask yourself, what does Putin care about? In the final analysis, what Putin wants is to restore, and he can't be appeased on this, to restore the former Soviet Union mm-hmm. in almost a romanticized manner. And I think that begins with Kiev. Mm-hmm. So, and then the second thing he wants is the U.S. out of Europe and NATO to not exist and certainly not have a presence in Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, we talk about the sanctions, but I think the other thing that the allies are doing that's incredibly important is posturing troops in the east and bolstering the Ukrainian military. The tank sale to Poland is Mm -hmm. just an example. Give Putin the opposite of what he wants. Mm -hmm. Let him know that if he does this, what he really will have is a, a much larger NATO presence at his doorstep. Sure. Congressman, I want to ask if um, with Russia's expansion into Ukraine being a sign, do you think that's a sign of the U.S. decline in shaping global policies? Uh, My initial concern isn't that it's a decline in how the U.S. shapes this. It's that Putin see NATO as as continually weak and that this was a greater opportunity to strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, if anything, what this has done, and I believe, again, that Putin underestimated the Western response, is uh, I think this is a sign to the rest of the world who is watching this. You know, I, I think Beijing is watching this with an eye on Taiwan. Mm-hmm. I think the response so far would give the opposite indication that if push comes to shove, 
NATO can be unified and is unified, and uh, that the U.S. can play a significant role in that. So perhaps that was in Putin's mindset when he made the decision to do what he's done so far. Mm-hmm. But I think to the rest of the world, it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on how this situation could impact Chicagoans? Yeah, I I, I try to remind folks mm-hmm. that, uh, and I see the polling that shows this has a low degree of interest by Americans overall. So uh, the best way to describe this is uh, if I can't appeal to your heart, I need to appeal to your to someone's brain on this. This is a sovereign democratic nation at Putin's doorstep that been fighting the Russians for eight years. Uh, they are a critical strategic ally. They signed the Budapest Memorandum, giving up nukes, the dissolution of the Soviet Union, in which they made the world a much safer place, and we agreed to help with their territorial integrity. Mm-hmm. But we also have to remind this isn't just a Ukrainian problem. This is a problem for Georgia and Moldova, where they have already invaded. It's a problem for the Baltics and Poland. So it's not just one country. Mm-hmm. What I would also tell folks, it's hard to imagine that Putin won't retaliate. Right. I'm concerned about cyber attacks similar to what we've already seen, but a greater force. Solar winds, 2016 election, the colonial pipeline uh, from grids to banking systems. This is a concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fiona Hill wrote an excellent article recently talking about the, the specter of if Putin's really into launching the Cold War again, won't he consider putting and he's They've made inference and noise about it, hypersonic missiles back in Cuba and Venezuela. Mm. Recognize this is a, a great possibility of another refugee crisis for one to five million people. And finally, with the pocketbook, an invasion itself, if not Putin's retaliation, could cut off and create additional supply chain issues of materials coming out of Russia and mm. Ukraine that involve aerospace to cars to to food to chips so it's going to affect us it's going to affect the energy supplies so even if you in your mind don't think ukraine matters it does and uh, we need to play a role that's it for today's reset For more conversations that take the big news of the country and the world and help you understand how it impacts you, subscribe to this podcast. We drop a new episode every weekday afternoon. That's all for today. I'm Becky Beebe. Thanks for stopping by. You can find a new Reset Conversation right back here tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.